Temple University's School of Sport, Tourism, and Hospitality Management, STHM, has prioritized diversity, equity, and inclusion in their business practices and strategic plan. Their new Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion has been charged with the responsibility of spearheading STHM student-facing DEI programming faculty education, and collaboration with industries on school-wide DEI initiatives. As the sports, tourism, and hospitality industries have become more globalized and integrated than ever before, STHM acknowledges their responsibility to help move these industries forward by minimizing polarization and creating equitable, inclusive, and diverse leaders. To learn more about Temple University's School of Sports, Tourism, and Hospitality Management, visit sthm.temple.edu. That's sthm.temple.edu. Welcome to the Demystifying Diversity podcast, where each week we explore topics related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm Dara Lise Lyons. And I'm Anna Marie Jones. This week's Q&A episode is going to be a little different. Yes, throughout the season, every alternate week, we've been conducting a question and answer episode based on the prior week's podcast. But this week is our final podcast episode of season one before we go on a season break. We'll be talking a little bit about last week's episode and recapping the season. And drum roll, please. Introducing our official new Demystifying Diversity podcast partner. And a longtime friend. And he's actually been with the podcast since the beginning, but officially came on board as a partner at the beginning of this year. So in January, we have with us today the amazing Zach James. Zach, do you care to introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Darylise and Anna Marie. I am so excited to grow my relationship with the podcast and really look forward to what's in store, not just for us, but the whole world of DEI. I'm really passionate about respecting and appreciating others' differences and trying to create a really even playing field for everyone. And I've been up close and personal dealing with racism, discrimination, sexism, homophobia-related topics. I know that what I do won't change the world for everyone, but I want to make as big of an impact as I can. And I really feel this platform is going to help me do that. Well, we're so lucky to have you, Zach. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure we can even fully express to listeners what an asset you are to the podcast and what an asset you've been. I mean, Zach has done everything from uh, he created our entire Demystifying Diversity podcast website, which is awesome and has supported behind the scenes. And he's involved in every training that we've done. And Zach has already done great things. And we can't wait to see uh, what season two brings. And Anna Marie already mentioned this, but we're going to take a little bit of a break before launching a second season. And I think it's going to be exciting to pivot and shift and incorporate new ideas. And Zach's going to be a huge part of that. I am really excited for what we have coming up in our, our off season, as I like to call it. As you ladies know, I used to work in professional sports. So I'll, I'll bring some sports terms into uh, our discussions. But just like teams will have an off season, you know, the, the season doesn't end. That's when a lot of that work really goes into play. So we're going to take some of this time to develop our platform, 
uh, to feature DEI trainings, workshops, uh, and some other services for companies and universities and various groups that can benefit from that kind of work. And we'll engage the DEI community on our social platforms and, of course, begin to interview people for season two. So a whole lot of work to do over the next few months, and uh, and I'm super excited to get involved and, and into it. Yeah, so I'm really excited to also get some stuff done in the off season. <laughs> but let's talk a little bit about last week's episode, Interracial Marriages, a celebration of the evolution from illegal to accepted. And then we can jump into talking about our season in its entirety and all the takeaways and some of the highs and lows of the whole entire process. Oh my God, there were so many highs and lows and I have so many takeaways. And Anna Marie, uh, it was great to hear your voice on this episode. Tell us, what, what was it like being the one interviewed instead of interviewing on this episode? Well, you know, Chris and I were so happy to share our story in this episode. And, you know, friends are always asking if it's scary to share and be so exposed because I do share a lot about my personal life and family's personal stories. And the answer is at first I did feel very vulnerable, but, you know, I realized the more that people reached out and thanked me for sharing and that my story was helping them to see differences in a positive light, it just made it easier and it made me want to share even more. But it's been a tremendous gift to be part of the narrative that provides touchstones for others to, you know, really learn and grow. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that growth, Anna-Marie, what really struck me about your story in particular is that, you know, you have a memory of growing up as a child of an interracial couple and just how different it once was for interracial couples. And you spoke a little bit about your vivid memories. And one that sticks out to me is the example that you gave of your mom and your dad having that argument about how others perceive them and how dangerous it was to be visible as an interracial couple. And just, I've been thinking about how different that is from how you and your husband, Chris, are perceived. And the same was true for a lot of the couples that I interviewed. They talked about having painful memories and painful moments, but they also talked about just how much has changed since the loving decision. And every couple talked about how grateful they were about the couples that paved the way for them to be able to be with the person that they love, you know, and to build a life together. Yeah, no doubt. There definitely has been progress, but the pain still sits with you and resonates with you, especially stories that you saw impacted people that you love, like my parents. And it just blows my mind that it was considered illegal and a sin in many states in the earlier years of their marriage to to be married. And uh, the fact that when they were visiting down south in Louisiana, that my father was afraid of being lynched to be seen with my mother, his wife. That was in the 1960s. And thankfully, Darylise, as you've reported, and like we have just said, we've come a very long way to the point where interracial marriages are not only legal across the country, but they're ubiquitous. It's no longer really a big deal. But the hardest part is that you know, I am so light that people assume that Chris and I are just common white couple and the assumption has gotten some people in trouble, you know, and our kids are very white with varying skin tones. Our oldest son, I'm kind of jealous of it. He's olive complected and gets a tan that, you know, I would just die for in the summer. I do get very, very jealous and wish that I had more melanin. 
But just for these two reasons alone, I wish that I were darker and more defined as a biracial person in an interracial marriage. Um, so yes, we are a very diluted interracial couple, for sure. So Darylise and Zach, what are your thoughts and observations about interracial marriages? Well, as for interracial marriages, I'm fine with it, but I was not raised to be. My father, who was born in the 40s, told me I was to marry a black woman. I'm a big believer in you like who you like, but I also had a hearty fear of my father, uh, so much to the extent that I actually took a white girl to my prom. And at the prom, uh, I took a photo with a black classmate so I could show that to my father so I wouldn't have to have any sort of awkward conversation or, or have him be upset at all. Wow. So you just hid the photos from him? And then what about the real prom date? Uh, oh, I have that photo too, but that was hiding <laughs> under my bed. He's never seen it. <laughs> uh, so I, I definitely kept that, uh, kept that hidden and tucked away. And I went to a predominantly white high school. So he was beating this into my head, you know, about the future of our family and you have to marry a black woman. And, you know, I, I was attracted to who I was attracted to. Now, fast forward to today, my brother is actually married to a white woman, and we have an amazing, healthy relationship with her. Shout out to Laura, because I know she does listen to the podcast as well. They have a biracial child who I love with all my heart. And, you know, the good thing about her is she respects where we come from, the experiences that we've had. She does what she can to create awareness for others in her circles that aren't as educated as she is. So the fact that she puts that effort in makes me appreciate her to a whole nother degree. I love it when that scenario is actually born from interracial relationships and marriages. If it brings clarity to other people, that's when I give my supreme thumbs up. But what about you, Darylise? I mean, if not for an interracial relationship, I wouldn't be here. So I owe my life to an interracial relationship. But seriously, I think what stuck out to me during this episode was just how many hidden biases there still are against interracial couples and how that shows up in research and how that shows up in people's lives, the stories that people told about the discrimination that they've faced, the discrimination that their parents faced. And I I don't think I was expecting it to be the discrimination and the anti-interracial marriage bias to be so present and so alive. And it's kind of ridiculous in retrospect, considering just how much time we spend talking about racism and biases and just the current state of our nation and all the systemic racism. So it's kind of ridiculous that I would have thought that a lot of those biases had been eradicated. But I think too, based on my own personal experience, growing up, my mom joined an interracial parents group. And so I was surrounded with all of these examples of multiracial, interracial love, multiculturalism. And so I always felt like there was such a richness to those relationships. And that richness was always so present and so visible to me. And so I think I expected other people to see it the way that I do and and did uh, throughout my life. And in some of the interviews, it came up that, yeah, there can be misunderstandings around different experiences and cultures, but that 
relationships are about growth and interracial marriages, interracial relationships by their very design push people to grow and to navigate different spaces and to learn. And there's a richness that comes from that and a level of communication that I think that sometimes has to come into relationships where people really need to learn about each other. But then again, I'm single and I'm not married. So I don't know much about marriage. So I'll turn it back over to Anna Marie. I am married, and but I still don't have it all figured out either. Um, but speaking of marriages, we now have a Black Asian woman for vice president, and she's married to a white Jewish man. And if this isn't a sign of progress in terms of acceptance of interracial marriage and differences in general, I don't know what is. But my biggest concern is for those who don't accept this, and I do fear another backlash that affects our country. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I think there are a lot of people who are against the current administration, and not just because of the interracial marriage between the VP and her husband. Gosh, like a month or so ago, right? We had deadly riots and so many other things are happening in this nation. There's so much violence and so much racism. And my personal hope is that there are more people that are supporting progress and more people that are embracing the beauty of diversity than not. And I will say, though, there's something that really encouraging that I found out while I was doing research, obsessively doing research online. And we'll put a link to the article I found in the show notes. But there's an article on fastcompany.com called The Magic Number of People Needed to Create Social Change. And although the article is well worth reading and, and listeners should absolutely not take my word for it, I'm going to give a spoiler and just say that the magic number, the magic percent that's needed to create social change is 25%. So if 25% of people can be passionately and enthusiastically and upliftingly supportive of diversity, of interracial marriages, of eradicating white supremacy, that change is going to take place, you know? So I think my thoughts are that I'm both pessimistic and optimistic, but how about how about the two of you? All we need is 25%. That's what the data shows. Yeah. That, but it's not like 25% who support in a passive way who are just right. sort of like, you know, it's like 25% of trailblazers of, of people who are right. like really taking the issue and running. I'm, with I'm, it. I'm so curious what percentage we're at now. I mean, I do know a lot of people who are in that passionate, enthusiastic space. I consider myself and all three of us in that percentage, but I'm surrounded by those people because that's who I'm attracted to. So to me, I think Half of the people are like that because half the people I know are, but I know there's a lot of places in this country where that isn't the ratio. So there, there is a lot of work to do. And of course, hopefully folks are sharing this podcast to, to help do some of that work, help, help push people to that 25% uh, and get passionate about this. But as it relates specifically to you know our first Black Asian American VP, who I'm so proud of, and her Jewish husband, which who I hope to learn a lot about. I really hope there isn't any backlash, but I'm not going to waste energy thinking about those bigots that would voice their negative opinion. I think those people get too much of a platform and too much attention, and I kind of hope they go back into the closet like they were before 45 got in the office. So, you know, that's what I'm crossing my fingers for. Absolutely. Well, I can't believe that we're at the end of our first season, guys. It's been such a wild ride. I'm wondering, Darylise and Zach, what are the greatest takeaways from this season for you guys? 
Oh my gosh. I love that question. And I want to add to that question, Anna Marie, if it's okay. Um, and just, yeah, I would love for us all to give our biggest takeaways from our particular episode, like one episode that really stands out for us or, you know, one interview or whatever. But then also I would love for us to give our biggest takeaways just from doing this work, period, just doing DEI work. So Zach, how do you feel about being put on the spot first? Uh, might as well. I'm, I'm the new guy, right? I, I should be put on the spot. So I would say my biggest takeaway from an episode really was listening to the black and blue episode because there was a lot going on in my mind just this whole year of 2020, of course, heightened after the murder of George Floyd. And as much as I wondered what was going through the minds of police officers, because I know some uh, white police officers and, and some of them I went to high school with and I felt like I knew their character, but I don't know where their mindset lies. And I was basically going off of assumption, but I never really took a moment to think about the opinions and thoughts of black officers who are living on both sides of this issue. They are true to their profession and they're true to who they are as individuals. And I never got a chance to really hear their perspective until listening to the black and blue episode. So that was the one that was the most eye opening for me. And, you know, when I, when I introduce people to the podcast, sometimes I go directly to that episode. I was like, listen to this. If this doesn't get you hooked, I don't, I don't know what will. But that was probably the biggest takeaway for me was, was the eye-openingness of that episode. What about from doing this work in general? Yeah, um, I've always been aware of discrimination of all types, but it wasn't always at the forefront of my mind. So I think that was the thing that changed for me after this season you know, I find myself paying more attention to the plight of other people, uh, trying to put myself in their frame of mind and make my decisions and choose my words accordingly. Whereas before, I might have only been obvious or, or constantly aware of a few different areas of difference. Now I'm kind of aware of it all. So it was really that understanding that DEI is way wider than black and white LGBT. There's so many more areas that deserve our attention and awareness and, and, and respect that now I'm, I'm so much more cognizant of that. So I would say that that would be my biggest uh, takeaway from the project. I love that. Yeah, I love that so much. Anna-Marie, what about you? What was an episode highlight for you? Well, there were so many, Darylise. I mean, I loved every single episode we did together. But I think that the one that really started me personally on this journey of appreciation for everything that we learned started with Howard Stevenson in the Black and Blue episode, where he um, taught us about dealing with racial moments. And he taught us the very sacred technique of locating, calculating, communicating, and breathing. And I just think that that's such sage advice. And uh, I would welcome anyone, if, if we can listen to the show notes once again, information on his racial literacy program. And so people can become more aware of, of his tools and techniques. I just think it's something that should be studied by and practiced by all Black, Indigenous people of color and their allies. So I just think that that's one major takeaway for me, because I think it's an invaluable tool for anyone who's listening. 
In terms of the work, the specific work, I think that bonding with you and Zach was the most valuable for me. Um, just getting to know you guys because you're both such incredible people and have so much to offer the world. It's been such an amazing journey to be with you. Thank you. It's been amazing for us too. <laughs> it's been really great. But, you know, like in terms of the grittiness of the work, I think the most gritty for me was doing the translations or the transcribing rather, sorry. And people might be wondering, well, why are you transcribing all the interviews? And that's because we're trying to save money. You know, it takes a lot of money to create a podcast, spoiler alert, but we are trying to do it in a very mindful, cost-effective way. And so by uh, transcribing all the interviews by hand, we're doing that. But, you know, there's a lot of value in doing this by hand. I'm learning so much by listening to every single person's voice and really soaking in and processing the information. It's just, I feel like I'm just surrounded by these voices of wisdom in my ear and my head. And, and it really helps me to be a more well-informed person as I do this work. So it's, it's a blessing within a curse of transcribing by hand. <laughs> and that's awesome, Anna Marie. I, I want to hop in and, and add one more because I just popped into my mind. Yeah, sure. Building the website. I, looking back, I genuinely enjoyed it because there's so many times I work on websites. I, I'm a marketing guy and I, I do a lot of this kind of work on a regular basis. But there's so many times where I build something and it's like, and eh, this isn't really going to help anyone or I'm not really interested in the topic and it's not that engaging. And then thinking the people who are going to, to look at it, that's how you, you build a website is, you know, who's going to be on this page. And when doing this, I was like, this is really going to impact people. Like as I'm looking at graphics and finding images and all that kind of stuff, it made me realize that the work that was going into it now was really going to change someone's life uh, or help someone overcome a hurdle or open someone's eyes to a, a new way of thinking. And I kind of felt that while I was building it. So it didn't feel as much of as work. It felt more like a calling, like you're, you're, you're really genuinely helping. So that was another big takeaway from, from this year that I really enjoyed. Well, I'm so grateful to both of you because I have no clue how to build a website and the transcriptions like would have just annoyed me. But I'm so just beyond, beyond grateful. Like, and really, I think just even within our, our partnership, right? Like there's diversity here, not just in terms of race and gender and sexual orientation, but like also diversity of skills and talent. I've always said that I, this work, I want it to be a microcosm of, of the macrocosm. And I think we surround ourselves with people who look like us and think like us and have the exact same skill set. There is no way to grow. So that's something that is really incredible. And, you know, I think for me, the thing that I learned doing this work, the biggest thing is just how much each and every person, I think, is a reservoir of stories and experiences. And just people have such richness, people that maybe you wouldn't necessarily expect or you wouldn't take the time to get to know, right? Like that people have been through things and have such resilience and have endured so much trauma. And I didn't expect people to want to share, so much. I mean, I expected it to be a lot harder. The interviews were were challenging insofar as like it was a lot of them, but it wasn't hard to get people to talk to us. And I think for me, that was huge in just recognizing how healing 
it is for people to tell their stories and how many people don't get asked, you know, like, tell me about you and tell me about you in this area, right? Like, this is something that I think people are taught not to talk about and not to share. And so in season one, we interviewed between all of us, we interviewed 128 people. And the fact that 128 people would be willing to spend an hour of their lives and their time sharing about some of their vulnerable moments with a stranger. I mean, that was huge for me. And I'm just so in awe of people and their resilience and their vulnerability and their grit. And the fact that most of the people that we spoke to, I mean, a lot of the people that we spoke to are advocates. They are doing this work. They are public, but a lot of people are not. And for them to be willing to share their stories, I thought that was really humbling for me and very impactful. And then in terms of a particular episode or a quote or something that stands out for me, there are so, so many. But Alyssa Kraut, she said something about all of us being Venn diagrams within Venn diagrams and needing to look for those areas of overlap. And I'm I'm not quoting her exactly, but that's something that I think about on a daily basis. If I meet someone new or I'm interacting with someone against whom I might have a certain bias or a certain preconception, I'm asking myself now actively, like, where is the area of overlap? Where is the area of intersection? Where can I find the center of that Venn diagram? And I I wouldn't have done that. I don't think I would have had the skills or the capacity to do that without her sharing that pearl of wisdom with me. Anna Marie, I know you had talked a little bit about having some personal blind spots sort of shown to you. So do you want to talk a little bit about that too? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, we know what we know. And we we say that all the time in this podcast, we don't know what we don't know. And so by doing this work, I've learned a lot about what my blind spots are. And I realized how little I knew about the LGBTQIA community. And Darylise, you were joking around with me when we were taping that Q&A episode that I had a lot of questions. I usually like to contribute more in terms of my knowledge and lived experiences. I mean, I didn't have anything to offer then. So um, I asked you a ton of questions. And, you know, I still feel very inept with a lot of the vocabulary. And, and I want to say that you were very kind in correcting me and teaching me. So thank you for that. But I still feel inept when it comes to a lot of the vocabulary. And I worry about saying the wrong things and offending people. So I'm committing to, on our hiatus, really reading more about the community and, you know, just studying more and just making sure, you know, talking more about it with you and other friends in the community. And just to start the right path, like in that direction, I uh, start walking in the right direction, I should say. I've added my pronouns recently to my email signature because <laughs> I really want to do my best to become an ally to the LGBTQIA community. I love that. That's so inspiring and inspired. And I think you're pointing out, right, that all of us have work to do and that it's just about being open and willing to really listen and learn where we can grow. Indeed. And it's such an impactful work. That was actually an amazing uh, episode as well. I think we should share with some of the folks, Darylise and Anna Marie, what are some of the topics that we're going to dive into for season two? Because I know some interviews have already taken place. Oh, yeah. A lot of interviews have taken place. I'm not... Do we really want to give spoilers? Do we? <laughs> I mean, you got you to gotta tease the people. 
All right. Okay. All right. Well, how about I'll say that the first episode of season two, we've already decided on what that will be. And we have like a loose plan for the season. But the first episode for sure is going to center indigenous voices. And that episode, it's really, I think it's going to be very evocative and beautiful. And I think that Hopefully, we'll be sharing with many of our listeners about a subject that has very much sort of been wiped from the narrative and the way that people talk about history and the way that people understand the present and and sort of engage with indigenous culture and indigenous people. And so I'm really honored and blessed and inspired by that episode. And I can't wait to share. And I'm so grateful. I think I've done like seven of those interviews so far. And that's one that I I think will be a must listen. Yeah, Darylise and Zach, I've listened to some of those interviews, and they are really beautiful, painful, poignant. So it is going to be an amazing episode. Yeah, absolutely. And then something else that we can share that's not much of a spoiler because we've alluded to it earlier, but Zach, you're going to be on season two. And so for listeners, I think it'll be really exciting to have your voice and your lens contributing to the conversation and just, yeah, you'll add a different dimension and dynamic. So I'm excited for that. Indeed. Me too. I am pumped. I I love interviewing folks and and meeting new people. I've been a networker and connector of people for geez, over, over a decade now. And it's just a, a big passion of mine. So being able to do that and have it reach others, I think is, is just awesome. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Well, you've already been doing so much to add to our podcast. You're just going to make it all the more rich, Zach. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And we mentioned this earlier, but we do a lot of DEI education and trainings. And Zach's a huge part of that from supporting in the creating of content to just doing some of the lecturing to all the AV and technical stuff that Anna Marie and I have no idea how to do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I can barely figure out my email. Yeah, me either. So I would love, Zach, if you don't mind, just sharing a little bit about that with the listeners. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And thank you both for your kind words. Um, I do have to admit, though, I actually enjoy that stuff. (laughs) Everything from AV and and marketing and creating visuals and and videos and content. It's it's kind of my calling. And, you know, I'm a big marketing guy. So in that, I'll actually take a, a quick second to remind our listeners that these DEI trainings and workshops are on the way. Make sure you're visiting the DemystifyingDiversityPodcast.com site. Join our emailing list for updates and special offers. It's going to be really key to make sure you're getting those announcements when we do start to unleash all of these different services and, and offerings. Because again, we won't be able to do it with everybody. So you want to be the first on that list to know when these are made available. And again, you can do that by being on our mailing list or uh, just staying uh, uh, a frequent visitor to uh, our website. And make sure you follow us on social too. Very important. Yeah. And as long as we're telling listeners about awesome things, I want to give a shout out to our Q&A episode sponsor, Vita Supreme. A big part of physical, mental, and emotional wellness involves giving our bodies everything that they need, which is why supplements can be so essential. As you have probably heard me say a million times, I get all of my supplements from Vita Supreme, and their products are amazing. I just cannot recommend them enough. The company gives Demystifying Diversity podcast listeners 20% off anything and everything in their online store. 
And they've even put together a special Demystifying Diversity podcast listener page where you can get any or all of my three favorite supplements at vitasupreme.com slash pages slash diversity. Or you can just go to their website and look at any of their many products. And when you're ready to check out, just enter the code diversity to receive your 20% discount. So again, that's vitasupreme.com slash pages slash diversity and enter the code diversity for 20% off. I'm in. I love their supplements and uh, I'm actually, I just reordered mine. I actually haven't ordered yet, but I do plan to. So I'm looking forward to getting on there and, and seeing what they have. Yeah, they're pretty essential for me. Speaking of essential, what's something that you're planning to do for yourselves in 2021? You know, since this is a little bit more of an informal episode, I thought we can share some of what we're going to do for ourselves with the listeners. Oh, that's a fun question. So listeners have heard me rave about our creative assistant, Raina. And at the end of last year, Raina told me that every new year, she chooses a word as an intention for the year, right? So she like picks a guiding word. It's not a resolution, but it's just more of like something to think about and an idea to embrace. And so she inspired me to do that. And this year, my word is self-love. And I think last year was so unbalanced for me. I mean, you guys both know I love this work. I love my life. But I just felt like I was giving so much empathy to others, but had no self-care really. And I just felt so just imbalanced with my workaholism. Yeah, you're definitely our little workaholic, Darylise. Yeah, I think Zach might be the only person I know who works as much as I do. But I'll just speak for myself and say that I'm looking forward to reorienting and getting a little bit more grounded in some self-care practices. And I'm also just very, very excited about our season two. And I think there'll be less of a learning curve for that. So it should be really, really fun and more streamlined on the back end um, in terms of the work that we do. And I'm excited about our DEI trainings. And I'm optimistic about the year to come. And I think for me, part of that um, has to do with like the change in leadership and change in administration and the introduction of a vaccine. Like for me personally, I feel like 2021 is going to be a more uplifting year than 2020. But how about both of you? Well, uh, besides doing the diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings, which I'm totally pumped about, I'm going to continue with diversity, equity, inclusion work. I just started up a committee for the Wayne Elementary School, my kids' elementary school. And you know, I'm really excited to help them and guide them towards closing the educational racial equity gap and getting more teachers of color hired so we have more representation for our students. And, you know, as you know, Chris and I have three kids who are growing up way too fast. So just spending more time with our family. And, you know, since it's COVID and really there's not much to do in terms of going to movies or bonding experiences like that, we're spending more time with the kids outside, going on hikes, and we're skiing the local ski mountains and the Poconos. So stuff like that, just being active with our kids and and having more time to bond as a family. Awesome. How about you, Zach? Yeah, for me, my biggest goal is better health. I've always been a very selfless person, putting other people uh, and their needs first. It's really all I knew. And I realized I did that to my own detriment. So I'm now focused on living in a healthier lifestyle, on eating right, on exercising 
consistently, um, consistently being the, the perfect word. I'm really good for like a week or two stretch, but it's that consistency I, I'm, I'm focusing on this year. And I, I kind of started off 2020 pretty good on this sort of healthy resolution. And, you know, shortly after the pandemic started, the world kind of began to fall apart. So did my focus. So getting back to that is really my goal for this year. I have a personal goal to lose 100 pounds. I don't know if that's all 2021. That would be uh, pretty amazing if I could, but it's more a lifestyle change and to get that loss and reach that goal over uh, an extended period of time. So that's really my big focus uh, for 2021. Thank you for sharing that. Knowing you for as long as I have, Zach, I do know that you do put others first. And I think you and I both kind of have to work on on just balance and self-love, like putting the putting the oxygen mask on first, right? Like before helping other people with theirs. But something I really want to put out there to listeners is that if you have a concept, we we have started gathering season two content. We have room to add more topics, add more ideas. So if you have something that you really want explored or a question that you really want answered, please let us know. Please continue to call, write in, all of that stuff because we really want to give you what you need and what would be helpful and supportive as much as we possibly can. Yeah, call us anytime at 844-888-8148 and leave us a message. Or you can send us a message through our website at demystifyingdiversitypodcast.com. Yeah. And I just want to say we listen to every single voicemail and we reply to every single email because we care and we want to be giving you valuable, useful content. And first off, that number is awesome. All the eights and the fours. I just like looking at it. Uh, But yes, I encourage people to call in uh, with any ideas, uh, thoughts, questions. uh, We really do appreciate it. And uh, speaking of valuable and useful items, are we going to do the Demystifying Diversity uh, t-shirt giveaway? We certainly are. So as everyone knows, during each Q&A episode, we select a name at random from all the subscribers to our newsletter and all the callers and people who emailed with questions. And this week's name we picked is Alexa Henderson. Yay! So Alexa did call in to a previous Q&A episode and we'll be contacting her to arrange to send out a free t-shirt and thank Alexa for being a Demystifying Diversity podcast listener. And if you want to be eligible to win a t-shirt, call, email, or subscribe to our email list. Subscribing is great because you'll keep up to date on all episodes and events. And make sure to subscribe now because you'll definitely want to know what we're up to during this off season. And you'll want to be the first to know when season two launches. So the best way to get all that information is to become a subscriber. Yeah. And you can subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. And you can also go to demystifyingdiversitypodcast.com and sign up for our email newsletter. It takes maybe like two seconds. So congratulations again, Alexa. Thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who's listening. Each episode of the Demystifying Diversity podcast is written, reported, and produced by Darylise Lyons. With the invaluable assistance of Anna Marie Jones, reporter, producer, and co-collaborator, Zach James, marketing manager and Demystifying Diversity podcast partner, Paul Kondo, assistant producer and editor, Raina Epstein, creative assistant, Sunny Taylor, content editor and creative collaborator, and Monica Lynn, graphic designer. Our Q&A episode song is Lacal by Speakeasy. 
with permission from Blue Dot Studios. If you haven't already, please subscribe. And if you'd like to join the conversation, visit DemystifyingDiversityPodcast.com or call 844-888-8148 and leave us a message. And if you'd like to explore these topics outside of the podcast, pick up a copy of Demystifying Diversity, Embracing Our Shared Humanity by our very own Darylise Lyons. Thank you again to everyone for listening. Thank you for making season one an incredible experience. Please like us, subscribe, tell a friend, rate and review the podcast, all the things that keep us connected. We're looking forward to next season. And as I always say, let's practice empathy and work together to create a more inclusive world.